welcome to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where in every episode we explore what is research culture and what should it be. You'll hear thoughts and opinions from a range of contributors to help you change research culture into what you want it to be. Hi, this is Jed Hall. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm an academic development consultant at the University of Leeds. You're joining us in season five of our Research Culture Uncovered podcast, where we're diving into the effects of research impact on research culture and focusing on different topics to ensure those effects are positive. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Dr. Bryony Thomas. Bryony is Associate Professor in Design Science, and her role is actually a joint appointment between the Schools of Design in the Arts and Humanities Faculty and Mechanical Engineering in the Engineering and Physical Sciences Faculty. Bryony joined Leeds in 2004, initially just in the School of Design. She was then seconded to Mechanical Engineering in 2015 to lead the establishment of cross-disciplinary initiatives in shape-based design and manufacture before her current role started in 2019. Bryony, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jed. Great to be with you. Thanks for thanks for agreeing. It's uh, it's great. But um, before we dive into the kind of nitty gritty about um, about impact and all, all of that stuff, I heard you're a bit of um, bit of an obsessive with pets and animals, and uh, I'm a bit of a dog man myself. Um, uh, and sadly, I'm without one at the moment and desperately looking for one. So tell me tell me a little bit more about pets and animals and their their role in your life. Well, yeah, um, pets are always interesting in my family. Uh, growing up, so we lived in the city centre, actually, just by the university. Um, so not much space, but as a result, we'd have stick insects as pets and snails and all sorts of things. So, yeah, you can imagine how crazy my house was. So, yeah, because of continuing working at Leeds, um, I decided I wanted to break from the city. So we moved out to the countryside. And I went full-blown country. So we we lived on a farm. We got pet pigs. So Cooney Cooney pigs, which are like a New Zealand dwarf version. They've got like long hair. Um, so actually a bit like dogs. They, they, it was a bit like having dogs that lived outside. They'd come and lie with you and you could stroke them. And yeah, so we had pigs, chickens. There were sheep on the next field. So yeah, went full-blown country. <laughs> Excellent. And I believe there's still animals on your bucket list. So which ones are those? Oh, yeah. So I'd really like pygmy goats in the future. Yeah. Pygmy goats. Right. Yeah, and so how little are those? Well, they are actually quite small, um, but they're a bit like the pigs, loads of character. So goats are really, really naughty. Um, and I, yeah, I quite fancy adding that dynamic into my family. Excellent. So you so you're looking for the naughty the naughty final stage. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I guess we'd probably better talk about impact, hadn't we? Although you know, being an animal person, I could I could talk about animals all day. Um. So back last summer, um, you and your colleague, uh, Dr. Morgan Herod from the School of Molecular and Cellular Biology were successful in the university's Engage for Impact Awards in the Widening Perspectives category. And I've invited you today to talk about that project. So, Bryony, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself, that project, and your collaboration with Morgan? Yeah, so um, 
the project really sat, you know, at the intersection of art and science, which is, you know, how we got uh, me as kind of an arts background and a designer as the kind of arts lead. And then Morgan brought in science and he's a virologist. Um, but we actually had we had many more collaborators as well. It was like a, it was a huge project um, and it developed during the pandemic, actually. Um, so from work that I was already doing in terms of I was collaborating with another virologist and we'd been looking at how we could design objects that of viruses that we could use in education to show um, about virus sort of structure and function and what happens during the infection process. And so viruses is this dynamic um, shape, which is where it connects to my shape-based type research. Um, so during the pandemic, it became really apparent that, you know, obviously science communication was so important, but young people really weren't being communicated to. So, so with, you know, talking about, you know, kids school age. Um, and I think at the time, the British Science Association did a survey of young people. And that was sort of ages 16 to sort of 19. And it really highlighted that they were what they were a group within the UK that really felt that scientists weren't relatable and weren't doing enough to reach them. So we sort of took our initiative and, and, and the work that we were doing um, and developed it in partnership with teachers and with the children within their schools, um, working with a kind of seldom heard community. And we were looking at... Um, you know, how we could use arts-based and hands-on learning to engage children to talk about the science of what was happening in the pandemic at the time. So the school, well, the Academy Trust we were working was, with was Batley Multi-Academy Trust, and we specifically worked with four schools within that trust, so Batley Girls, Field Lane, Batley Grammar, and Upper Batley High, so across both primary and secondary schools. Um, and so it was pupils sort of aged um, seven to 13, so year groups uh, four to eight, and then teachers that worked across um, both class teachers at primary and then the creative department and the science department in the secondary working together. So those were the those were the schools. And then within the university, we, we drew on the expertise from sort of the arts, virology and education as well. So, you know, my background, I've done a lot in sort of science visualization and STEAM education, as we call it, which is just, you know, the arts within STEM mm. um, and particularly looking at this object based learning in science. And, and then with Morgan, his group, they study virus function and how viruses work as kind of nano machines, which is very cool from the kind of engineering side of what I do. Um, and, you know, he looks at how viruses infect human cells and, and how they're transmitted and the immune response. And so we we brought in um, Indira Banner as well from the School of Education. So she has a background in science education um, and she was formerly a secondary school science teacher as well before she began her career in at the university. And we had Shamila Anwar as well, who she actually works within the NIHR, so based at the university. But externally, she does a lot of science communication work and she specifically focuses on ethnically diverse communities and how we're communicating science to them. Mm. So NHR, NIHR, the National Institute for Health yeah. Research here in the UK. Yes, yeah. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just for international listeners, uh, it's uh, it's worthwhile expanding on 
acronyms just become part of language, don't they? And we just can't get a, get away from them. It's uh, it's so hard. So this this obviously sounds like a really co-produced project. So can you describe kind of what was done um, that that you describe as co-production in the way in the way the project ran? Yeah, so so because we wanted to bring all that that knowledge together to sort of create something um, specifically for the young people, um, it, it starts off in the pandemic. Everything was remote, so um, we approached a head teacher that I was I was given contact details for actually um, a head teacher of Batley Girls, and that's a specialist visual, visual arts. Uh, college so we thought they may well be interested in in this sort of work um and it started off you know I I sort of showed what we'd done I showed some of the models and all the visuals and so so they could get a sense of how engaging it was potentially for their young people and just said you know this is what we do in the university we're aware that you know there's this challenge with communicating, you know, with different communities, particularly with young people, what can we do to support you? So it it really started off as a question of how can we help you? You know, what do your young people need? Um, And so that the, the head teacher then cascaded sort of, you know, the information down to um, teachers that he thought might be um, interested. Um, And so, we began those conversations in terms of, you know, with the teachers, what do you feel would be of value to the young people? What could work within the school? Um, How could we approach this? You know, what do you want from us and what do we feel we can give? Mm. Um, And we ended up deciding that a sort of programme of sort of six weeks of activities would work best within the school. So, you know, rather than, you know, one-off interventions, you know which wouldn't resonate as much and have a kind of a a sort of a lasting impact really Mm. a program of activity that would happen across a term so Mm. you know across the summer term within the school and the teachers really were able to give us a steer and and identify some of the opportunities like so for the age groups we were working with there was no science, there's no science within the curriculum that focuses around microbiology, really very much about disease, about the immune system. So young people really didn't understand what was happening because they had no educational foundation of any of the things that were being talked about. So that that you know came through as a kind of key opportunity. And one of the things we really wanted to also embed within the project was the voice of young people. Mm. So so before we even started to work with the teachers to design what that programme of activity might look like, we did a survey with um, the pupils that were going to be involved and just a really open question of, you know, if you could ask a scientist anything about what is happening in the pandemic, what would you ask? Mm. And so with all those responses, which, you know, ranged from you know very specific questions about masks to to kind of things that you know as a parent I found you know heartbreaking about asking you know how can I protect my family you know what happens when you die things like that you know from children age seven um you know we we worked with the teachers to look at okay these are the key themes that are coming out 
you know, how how do we feel that we can create a program that allows within that context both the children to have gained the science knowledge as sort of foundation of general knowledge, but also because of the circumstances and how there was still do there was still some remote learning and you know bubbles in schools being closed. And just thinking of more the social environment and, and the experience that children were living through, how we could embed creative arts within that to mm. allow reflection and exploration. Yeah, that that's absolutely fascinating. So it, it really does sound like you didn't have a preconceived view of what this project might be, um, which is probably a really good definition of a co-produced project but why why is that so important in in projects like this to to avoid going in with that preconception i think it it's it it comes back to um who holds knowledge and what knowledge is you know what's legitimate knowledge um you know so within a university that can there's quite a preconceived idea about you know knowledge and power structures and 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 actually the way that you operate with communities and within that co-production is completely different and and I've always been I always say to the teachers and I think it, it kind of surprises them even now that I say but but you're the expert in this it's not me I'm completely I'm completely being guided by you as somebody who's with those young people day to day who works within this community I'm not part of this community you know you understand so much more about what's needed than me and and what will work and and how we need to be responsive to things so yeah it was you know responding to something that we thought we could help with but actually it had to specifically what that was had to be identified through people within that community so yeah making no assumptions about what was wanted mm. um or what was needed and having them kind of lead on that um was so valuable yeah fantastic i'm just, i'm interested in in kind of you know almost leadership of a co-production uh project so i was kind of thinking you know if i was a fly on the wall and i kind of was able to see the project all the way through from the kind of initial conversations in terms of what is it what is it going to be through to you know the end of that uh, of that term when the you know when the, all the program of activities were delivered what what would you say in terms of how the almost the leadership who was leading and how that might have altered over time during the project yeah so i, I mentioned hierarchy before um yeah i i don't operate in a very hierarchical manner at all um which which i think initially was a surprise to the schools but also a surprise to some of my colleagues um and that's always interesting when you're working across faculties you get a sense of what the different cultures might be within different subject areas different departments it's always very interesting um but you know my view was always you know we we can't do any of this work without each other none of this is going to work without all those sort of pieces to the jigsaw um and so i you know my role was really to steer um what we were doing to manage the relationships was a huge part of what i spent my time on and to keep sort of revisiting that 
the value that we were bringing to all the partners. So, you know, that was that was a really important part of the initial discussions uh, with schools was in terms of, you know, making sure that we were hitting on the value and the needs that they had from the project. And we were, you know, we were all really open about what our drivers were, you know, so why we were doing this work and what we were hoping to get from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was it's actually interesting because it didn't start as a research project, all this work. It actually started as a public engagement project, which I think actually helped helped that focus in terms of we were we were delivering something for other people as opposed to, you know, it wasn't a research project where we were wanting to get papers and and the kind of more standard outputs. It was like, we're doing this as as a very, we're doing something for our local community. Mm. Yeah. So so you you talked about uh, it it may you've hinted it may have moved in a in a more research direction. What what caused that almost that change of trajectory or that's like bringing in of different practices? Yeah, well, I mean, there are obviously drivers within the university mm. to um, you know, kind of the metrics and the 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 performance indicators that we have to hit. But actually it was this identification of the fact that this doesn't sit within you know these topics don't sit within the curriculum and actually how we then frame what we're doing to be able to look at both being able to talk to policymakers in terms of this this we feel that this is an issue and actually some of these subjects need to be taught lower down within the curriculum it shouldn't be specialist science knowledge but also the approach that we were using so the the combining of the arts and sciences and and the value that that brought in terms of both um you know engaging with pupils that otherwise wouldn't be necessarily be that interested in science um so that so there was lots of different aspects um that sort of pushed it more into a a research agenda Mm. to be able to evidence sort of the impact in in a rigorous way yeah that's that's fascinating it's lovely how almost all of those agendas are coming together and actually as they come together it feels like they get out of the way um and just something valuable is then done yeah, that's absolutely fascinating. Um, we're we're kind of coming to the end of our time, and and uh, are there places that people can find out more that we can put in the show notes? Um, find out more about that project and your approach to it. Yeah, so um, we've got the the project is called Keeping It Real. So it's obviously um, very very aimed towards young people in terms of you know or everything to do with it. You know, very kind of bright branding and uh, yeah, relatable. So it's Keeping It Real Education is the website, and we will shortly be having some published outputs as well um, from that, which will be available on the website. But all the models and animations, and we put things in. Uh, augmented reality all of that is available on the website brilliant and we'll make sure that's in the show notes if any of the listeners want to dive into that um so sort of final question really um if i was um 
a researcher who'd never gone and and done a co-produced project, or if I was an external partner who was being approached to talk about a co-produced project, what advice would you give to those two individuals who were starting out on this, uh, on this journey? Yeah. So I think um, openness about what your drivers are, you know, why do you want to do the project? You know, what do you want to achieve from it and, and kind of, where the value lies um, for you uh, is really important. Um, an understanding of the importance of the communication and the the time investment that it takes to develop the relationships is really critical. I think within a, within academia, we we're not necessarily as used to putting that amount of time um, into developing relationships outside of academia um but you know it's a kind of long-term investment so it's it it's really really critical to to how your project runs but I think also because I was going to say critical to project success but um actually an openness to failure as well and that with these sorts of projects you don't always get things right the first time so within our work with the schools we had we used a kind of action research approach so um teachers would deliver something one week and we would get feedback from teachers and pupils in terms of what worked can you do this can you change this is this feasible so we were constantly being responsive and and kind of understood that we were not necessarily going to get it right first time and I think so a lot of those things, you know, that kind of openness of priorities, where the value sits for partners, the ways that partners work, you know, what are the norms and what are the limitations of what they can offer? Um, kind of just being really open about that and finding partners that want to invest in that kind of longer term relationship, because, you know, these projects can just build and build mm. they kind of. I've experienced they kind of take on a kind of life of their own. Um, and so just that willingness for it not to be something that's necessarily short term, but but investing in that longer term relationship. Yeah. Yeah, fascinating. Brian, I could keep asking you questions around this uh around this project. Um, you know, although although I'm not a parent, um, my wife has been a head teacher for for um many years she's no longer um but it it does uh you know and science uh science is important to me and impact is is, is one of the the most important things for me so i could ask you loads and loads about this and and thank you so much for giving up your time today to have a chat about it and hopefully we can continue the conversation at some point and i can learn some more from you um yeah. So th- thank you very much for coming along today. And uh, and if you'd like to say bye to the listeners, um, hopefully uh, we can see each other again soon. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm always happy to talk about this work more, Jed. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Bryony. Thanks for listening to the Research Culture Uncovered podcast. Please subscribe so you never miss out on our brand new episodes. And if you're enjoying the discussions, give us some love by dropping a five-star rating and written review as it helps other research culturists find us. And please share with a friend and show them how to subscribe. 
thanks for listening and here's to you and your research culture.